Welcome to the Rosetti and Stewart podcast. So, uh, is it Rosetti and Stewart podcast? I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, Stuart Rosetti, Rosetti Stewart. I mean, I think Rosetti and Stewart flows off the tongue better, but that's just me. And it's not because I'm first or anything, it's just because it rolls off the tongue. So, I'm just saying, like, it's a 50 50 work here. Uh, but, anyways, we're coming from you from the center of innovation at Point Park University. Navham, nah, it's Center for Media Innovation. See, this is going to we're going to have to get <laughs> used to this and we're going to have to get used to this quick. Yeah, so we're coming from you from the Center for Media Innovation here at Point Park University. This is the Rosetti and Stewart podcast. I'm Justin Stewart and this is Antonio Rosetti and uh, you know, I'm currently a senior journalism major here at Point Park University for your pioneers. Likewise, I'm also a journalism major, I, except though I'm a junior, so still got one more year under my belt after, you know, I finished this spring up. But um, how are you doing today? That's what I want to know. I'm doing great. I can't believe the Chattanooga finish yesterday. Oh, that was wild. That blew my mind. How, how are you doing? I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little irritated coming in, um, not because of, like, anything school-related. It was just because I was trying to get down here and... I take the bus down here because parking down here is atrocious. So I went to take the bus and it said 1050. It was going to come at 1050. And that's what it said like on the online schedule. And I like walk out of my apartment and it's like 1045 and the bus already passed. So I had to get an Uber to ride down here. I, I 20 less dollars I have right now. A little irritated, but other than that, I'm doing peachy keen. So thanks for asking. Yeah, no problem. And for those who have never driven in Pittsburgh out there, if you're, you know, just don't. Just don't drive in Pittsburgh because the streets will confuse you. There's a light every 10 feet and parking's terrible, especially for students. Uh, parking's like really expensive. It's a joke. So I would not recommend it to anyone. Complete joke. But uh, anyways, let's get into this. So first things first, let's talk about that Chattanooga finish last night. You know, Gene Baptiste nails a game winner and that sent the game, sent them to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, how did you feel when you saw that play happen? So I'm going to be real with you. I don't really watch a lot of college basketball. I mean, I do if I if I catch highlights like I watch. But I saw that shot you sent me on Snapchat, and I, that was, like, insane. You know, that's what March Madness is all about. Some of these teams you've probably never heard of. Like, you know, you had a few years back your loyal of Chicago, you know, Sister, Sister Jean. I know people are like, oh, well, Duke and Gonzaga and all these you know blue blood schools when's the last time all four number one seeds made it to the final four like is that ever happened i don't think it has so i don't know like i don't know a lot about this chattanooga team but i mean that shot was amazing i will give you that yeah and you know speaking of them like just watching them play they're going to be a tough out in the tournament the amount of defense they play is absolutely insane the score was 26 to 16 at the half i think that you know a team like, I'm not saying that they will lose, but like a four or five seed, which I could be anywhere from Tennessee, Arkansas. I think if they run into this team, I think they will find them find some issues just because of the way they recover on defense, the way they close out on defense, their aggressiveness. I think this Mox team is, they're a real solid team. And, you know, that leads me to a big championship game between South Dakota State and North Dakota State. And I just wanted to say that since we're in March Madness and since I'm feeling it, I think that the winner of this team, which I think it's going to be South Dakota State, listen to this, 87 points per game in the season for South Dakota State. That is unheard of in college basketball. Yeah, man, what about Pitt, though? Are they are they making it to the tournament? I'm just curious. Is Pitt making it? They have to win tonight against Boston College, uh, and they have to win the tournament at an 11-20 and 20 record. 11-20. <laughs> uh, 
the only thing at large this year for them has been their loss column. So I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. And I will say this: college basketball is better when Pitt is better. No, I mean I definitely miss the days of the Big East, man. That was that's that's where it's at. I'm well aware that the ACC, obviously, with you know the football program having a great year this past year, obviously generated a lot of money. But Pitt, Pitt basketball, same with women's basketball, they've kind of been down the wayside here for a little bit. They've really suffered the most, I think. And, you know, obviously, I don't see an avenue where Pitt basketball, especially men's, gets better anytime soon unless they, um, you know, go a little illegal on us and uh, start paying some guys money. But, um, I mean, other than that, you know, people, I think people assumed, oh, Jeff Capel, he's a Duke guy. So they just assumed that he would, like, attract all these five-star recruits, like, that would go play for Duke. I mean, no. I think they sh- they can be better. Like, they have to be better than 11 wins. That, that You can't argue that. But I don't know, man. It, it's tough when you're in a conference with Duke North Carolina. You know, those guys, every year, they always get the top recruits, and they're poised to make a run at the NCAA tournament every year. And you cannot say that about Pitt. Have they, I don't think they've even had a winning record under Capel. What, are we in year five now? Mm-hmm. We're in year five. I know Pitt, when he came, was left in ruins with uh, Kevin Stallings. That was a bad hire. That was a really bad hire. But... <laughs> At some point, man, like you, you got to have results. And the fact of the matter is he's had good players on this team, whether it's uh, Justin Champagny, guys like that, and they just transfer. Cam Johnson, I don't think he played with uh, Capel. He my played point under is, um, Stallings and Dixon. Yeah, okay, Dixon, yeah. But like my point is they have all these guys transfer like almost every year, and they can never build like their team up. And I feel like if they had a few of these guys stay, like John Hughley, I think he's their best player right now. Like hopefully he stays. And maybe if you get, you know – some recruits, maybe some three stars, maybe a four star. Maybe you can start building some something. And first of all, they need to have a winning record first before we even, you know, jump the gun with that. So I don't know. I guess that's my outlook on pit basketball. Yeah, and you know, I have a similar outlook. Is they next year they need the win, and or not just so much win or make it to the tournament, but just have a winning record. Because I mean, Mogi he's leaving, but you have Jamarius Burton back. You have Nike Sabandi coming back, Ethel Horton coming back, and you spoke about John Hughley earlier. Mm-hmm. is coming back, but I don't see how Hughley can leave the team. I mean, they stood by him his whole entire time there so far. You know, um, he had a big scandal last year with uh, that carjacking incident, and they stood by him, and, you know, I feel like there is a sense of loyalty within this team, but if they don't get, like, another another point guard or another big man just to, you know— help even out the front court and the back court. I think, you know, Tom's running low for Capel. Uh, I think he's a good guy. I think that he's solid. He's a solid coach. No, I'd say so. Yeah. But he's just, uh, if they don't win next year, I mean, it, that will be concerning with the amount of talent they do have coming back. Where they got a lot of their recruits when they were in the Big East, they were like going up to upstate New York, you know, Pennsylvania. That was where they were getting their three-star recruits. And they weren't like great players by any means. But they were able to develop them, and they were like four or five-year uh, seniors. And, you know, when you have that, you can be consistently good. And, you know, with this, I don't know where you go with the ACC because, you know, if you, you still recruit in New York. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, like, a recruiting expert, so I'm not sure if you know. See, like, you make a good point. Is like a, a big pitch for Pitt was when they were in the Big East, you get to play in Madison Square Garden every single tournament. Yeah. And you also get to play St. John's. Sometimes two, maybe even three times in the season. So here's the recruits. You got Xavier Johnson, Shane McGowan's, 
Audis Tony in their first year, and look where they're at now. Xavier Johnson's having a good season at Indiana. Shane McGowan's hasn't really done much for Nebraska, and Audis Tony is one of the best players on Arkansas. So I think that he should just go back to that. IMG Academy is a good place to start for recruits. You know, maybe look down south and try to steal some of those recruits from down there. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm really not sure how he can out recruit those areas like North Carolina and Virginia and like how North Carolina and Duke recruit because they really have that all under control. So he's going to just have to try to do other things to get those recruits in because let's get real, he's not getting the five-star recruits. I mean, granted, he has a four-star recruit coming in. I believe his name is Marlon Davis, who also went to school with John Hughley. So if he could just stay in that lane and just, you know, Hughley, he's from Ohio. He was Ohio Player of the Year, uh, Will Jeffress. Yes, he hasn't been great, you know, but he was Gatorade Pennsylvania Player of the Year. So I think if he could just, you know, stay local and get some of those kids and, you know, get a couple grad transfers, I think they're in good shape. Yeah, man. I think part of the problem is, too, is, like, there's stability. So when players want to play, if you have to choose between Pitt, Duke, North Carolina, and that's, I don't think it's a very realistic choice palette, but you look at Pitt and you look at what they've done the past 10 years and the dumpster fire they've been. First of all, throw that out the window. Why would you want to play at Pitt if you know North Carolina and Duke and even like Louisville and some, to like some extent maybe Syracuse as well? They have a long storied history of being consistently good, although you know, Louisville and Syracuse has also kind of fallen by the wayside since going to the ACC. But my point is like, you know, when you come up here to Pitt, I mean, as far as I know, it's a decent party school. But, like, outside of that, there's really not much to do up here in Pittsburgh, man, unless you're, like, a, a huge Steelers fan and you like watching Pirates baseball. And let's be honest, I mean, I don't know too many people that like watching Pirates baseball right now. Why would you want to come to Pitt? Like, that's that's that'd probably be my biggest question. Yeah, and, you know, I think the only pitch that he has is when transfers come over, like Burton's came over, Sabandi's going to return next year, Horton's coming back, I think the main reason will be playing time. Playing time, that's the one thing is if you go to North Carolina or Duke, you're not going to get playing time off the bat because they'll have a five-star coming in. I mean, you've seen it in the past with, like, Luke May and Barry and, you know, even now Grady Manek, who's grad transfer in his fifth year. I mean, there's older players, and they have five-star recruits coming in too. I mean, look at Ben Chera from Duke and Mark Williams, who's now in his second year. So, I mean, when you see that, like, you're not going to get playing time over those players. So I think that's the one thing Pitt has but like you said, they're no longer that storied program right now like they were under Jamie Dixon. And it only got worse when they hired Stallings. You know, Stallings only had one season really to work with his own recruits. So, I mean, did they jump the gun on him too early? I mean, I don't really think so because, I mean, Jeff Capel was a good-sounding person when he first came in because, think about it, he recruited Marvin Bagley to Duke. He was a big reason for Wendell Carter to Duke, and he was also, when he was at Oklahoma, was big for Blake Griffin coming to Oklahoma. So, I mean, you have a good coach who wanted to come in the pit, but it just, I think it's misfortunate because this year you had Sabandi get hurt, you had Ethel Horton get arrested. Last season you had Xavier Johnson, Audis Tony, and uh, Trey McGowan's all transfer, along with Justin Champagne going in the draft. So, it's just a misfortunate situation for Pitt, I think. I think to wrap up on the Pitt talk, though, I don't want to, like, trash Kevin Stallings and say he's the worst coach ever, but it just – the hire from the get-go just wasn't a good hire. And I know he had some success. Where did he coach Vanderbilt? Was that where he was before? Yeah. Like, they were a tournament team, so it's not like he was a bomb by any short order. You know, with that, too, obviously, it's two years. They were kind of a dumpster fire. 
I think one year they went winless in conference uh, conference play, which is like absolutely like absurd when you think about it. I wish him well. I mean, obviously his son, very successful defensive catcher for the Marlins now, but um, you know, obviously that's worked out for him. So I'm you know happy for him with that. But I don't know, Pitt Pitt basketball is just like not in a good place right now, and that can all change next year if they have like a winning season, and like the guys they have now and the guys they'll add, you know, recruiting wise or, tr- or from transfers. Yeah, uh, that's all I can think about for Pitt basketball. I mean, I know the Pitt football situation is a lot better with Keaton Slovis coming. No, absolutely. In. I'm, I'm I'm hyped for Keaton Slovis. So like last year, I um I talked to Max Brown. He was a quarterback. He transferred to Pitt his like senior year, and uh, he was talking to me about Keaton Slovis because he was actually. You were talking about the draft last year, not not the one this year. And Keaton Slovis came up in the conversation. He was originally, if you looked at a lot of mock drafts, he was supposed to be a first-round pick this year. And obviously with USC, there are some high expectations there as well. And it just didn't work out for him this year. So um, I think a change of scenery, getting away from that California lifestyle, coming here to Pittsburgh. I think his girlfriend went to Pitt here too. I think mm-hmm. she transferred now, but she went to Pitt. Yeah, I mean Pitt has a good good roster. Their defense should be good. You know, obviously on offense, you know Jordan Addison. I think he'll be a first round pick next year. That's just my opinion. So I mean Pitt. I don't know if they'll repeat as ACC champions, but they should be. You know, at the very least, very good, very competitive as well. Because yeah, I think Clemson. Like they had a bad year, but they won ten games. Still, that was a bad year for Clemson, and I think DJ. I don't know how to say his last name, but DJU, I think he'll be much better. He was not very good last year, but I think he'll improve. And Clemson, defensively, we know what they are. They're always good. And, yeah, I think they'll be a top-10 team, Clemson. So, I mean, outside of that, I think Pitt has a pretty good shot of maybe representing their um, their division in the uh, conference championship game. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, they have a lot of the defense back. Uh, Baldwin Auto's coming back. And, you know, many of the backs are coming back, too, like A.J. Woods. And, you know, I could go on. Uh, but like you were saying about Keaton Slovis, is you were talking about Max Brown. He was a former five-star recruit going into USC. No, yeah, he was the number one quarterback in his uh, recruiting class. Yeah, he was, Um, I think, what he sadly got signed with an injury in 2017 for Pitt. And yeah. Uh, but I think Keaton Slivis, I mean, he's a little bit quicker with his feet than uh, Max Brown, and I feel like he would be a great replacement for Kenny Pickett next year. I think with the kid from Akron, I believe his last name is Brumfield, coming in, and they also have uh, Jordan Addison, like you said. I believe that he could be a first-round pick as well. He's coming back. You have uh, Hammond coming back. You have Abanacanda coming back. I think that the offense, similar to last year, will be at the same place. And I think, like you said, other than Clemson, I think that they're. I think they could see Clemson in the championship again next year. Yeah. Not again, because Clemson fell short. Yeah, what but you, you know, speaking of Clemson, though, you know, Ugolele's. I think it's Ugolele. He's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. And like uh, their defense, I mean, they lost to Georgia by one touchdown. And they held them to 10 points. Oh, yeah, that's how I know. Like, you're obviously, you know, they could have beat Georgia if they just had a little bit more offense. So I, I knew mm-hmm. Clemson, they didn't get off to a great start, but I knew, the, like, they're still a good team. Like, let's not kid ourselves with Clemson. So, yeah, I mean, after the pit loss, they didn't lose. Yeah, they, I and, think they won out. And their biggest blowout of the season was against Pitt. Yeah. Their worst loss was against Pitt. And I think Pitt only beat them by, what, 10 points? Yeah, 27-17. Yeah, that's not even a blowout. I don't even count that as a blowout, honestly. But, um, yeah. All right, so you talk about Kenny Pickett. So there's this whole issue with Kenny Pickett about his hand size. I mean, do you even, like, take that with a grain of salt? Like, how do you view, like, 
this whole notion about like there's like this sensation about Kenny Pickett's hands they measured like they'd be the small if you played in the NFL right now they'd be the smallest hands for a starting quarterback how do you like interpret that see I'm not gonna lie I think Adam Schefter is just pulling stuff out of his hat like yes I guess I mean the ball gets bigger but it's not like you're throwing it's not like you're throwing a baseball compared to a bowling ball Mm -hmm. like this there isn't a big difference I think what really shows that Kenny Pickett can really throw the football, he played in Pittsburgh. He threw for over 500 yards in the rain against the Miami defense, which, I mean, granted, they weren't good this year. But, I mean, even in the game they lost, he threw over 500 yards. He has proven time and time again he could throw in bad weather. So I think that, I mean, Taysom Hill has the smallest hands, eight, three-fourths. But I think that he can move. You saw his 40. The dude could sprint. Oh yeah, he can definitely run. I I think just he could. I think he'll be a good quarterback in the NFL, and I still think that you know. Yes, I guess he will have the smallest hands, but I'm pretty sure Doug Flutie had small hands too. And just look where he's at. Yeah, my like major concern with Pickett. Obviously, he had a great year last year. I know people, some people, not and not every Steelers fan, but they're like, oh, what would be what happens if the Steelers draft him? I I don't want that to happen. Uh, the Steelers, I think, they need to focus on their offensive and defensive lines because they were atrocious last year and you know quarterback you know i know we were just talking about aaron Rodgers. that was another pipe dream oh let's get aaron Rodgers and trade three first round picks i like aaron Rodgers. if it was if this was five years ago i would maybe sign off on it but he's like 38 and you know when you have a guy that hints at retirement every year like, yeah, you don't want that you know you're gonna burn three first rounders when you can use those picks to build your team back up again, I, I wouldn't go for it. But like going back to Pickett, though, didn't really pop off in college until his fifth year. Uh, did he stay five or six years? He was uh, he played in his fifth year, and he got hurt, but he was on pace to have the season he had this year, and then he used that injury redshirt this year. Okay, so he's been there for six years. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so he didn't really pop off till his sixth year, and, you know, he's like almost, what, 20, he's like 24 already? 23? 23 or 24. Which, okay, fine. You know, Joe Burrow didn't really pop off until his senior at LSU. So, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be a bust. But Pickett, I think he's the kind of quarterback where I think you have to have talent around him, like adequate talent. So I think the Steelers would probably work for him, hypothetically. But if he went top five and he went, he got drafted to the Jaguars, that's not happening. But the Jaguars, the Texans, any one of those kind of teams, I don't, I don't really see him panning out as a quarterback, like an elite quarterback. I think a New England kind of place, like Mac Jones. Like I look at Mac Jones, and I see a guy. I don't. I wasn't really enamored with him coming out of the draft. He obviously had a good rookie season, but he was also in a good environment with New England. And I feel like that's another thing with like these players. Environment is definitely key. You know, Trevor Lawrence looked atrocious his rookie year at times. He obviously showed signs towards the end that he could be. He's a franchise quarterback, but when you have like head coaching mess like your front office is a mess your owner is a disaster like i think that that kind of plays a part into whether or not like a quarterback will succeed that's just my opinion yeah and you know i will say that like you said trevor lawrence did have signs where he was bad but i mean he really wasn't terrible because i mean think about the team he's on and i think at the end of the day yes the quarterback position is one of the most important positions but you have nothing else with it you're not going to get anywhere. Well, I mean, yeah, quarterback. People talk about quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And obviously, I think it is the most important position. But people have to understand, if you don't have a good offensive line, if you don't have weapons at the receiver position, if you don't have a good running back, if you don't have a good defense that makes enough plays, it doesn't have to be elite. 
if you don't have a defense that makes enough plays, all of it's moot point. Like the Rams, Matthew Stafford, you know, obviously Cooper Cup, you know, they had a good Odell offensive Beckham line. Jr. Yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. They had like capable running backs. They weren't great running backs, but they were capable. And obviously you look at their defense, you know, Vaughn Miller, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, you know, the whole nine yards. So Eric Weddle for a couple oh, games. Eric Weddle, oh my gosh, let me get me started with that one. But um yeah, I mean the guy that made the, the last play of the game was Aaron Donald, like, you know, fourth down on Joe Burrow. So, you know, quarterback, you know, they don't – you can't say that, that they're the only reason for the team's success. They're obviously the most important position, but you also have a defense too, and they, they don't do both. So that's just my opinion. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to just, like, say one more thing, and it's it's an underdog thing because Aaron Donald has been a career underdog. He was oh, a yeah. two, two-star recruit out of, college, out of high school. He goes to Pitt. He now becomes how many times is he two time defensive player of the I think year? He's three time three time defensive yeah, player of the so. year. And he clearly won on that last play of the game for the Rams. He's getting triple teamed every single game and we're talking about a two star recruit. And I that leads me to Kenny Pickett, who was a three star recruit coming from New Jersey. You know, Piscataway to be exact, Piscataway, New Jersey. He comes in, three star recruit, you know, he's he's playing behind Ben DiNucci. And he was behind Danucci and Max Brown. He was the third-string quarterback. His first start, they defeat Miami, Miami the number yeah. two Miami. Yeah. And I just think that maybe he's not going to be an elite quarterback. And honestly, it's tough to be an elite quarterback in the NFL with the closing speed of some of these players. But I definitely think that this kid's a fighter. He he fights. He fights for every yard. And I think that just seeing him rebound from you know that bull loss to Stanford. Seeing him in that game against Stanford in the Sun Bowl back in 2018 compared to now, there is no comparison. And even the year he got hurt, he maybe would have been a top-five quarterback last year if he didn't get hurt in that game against Boston College. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, no, honestly, I thought you talk about the Sun Bowl game. I thought his lowest point was uh, the ACC championship game against uh, Clemson. I mean, he threw out like 10 yards the entire game. Like, that's pretty hard to do, man. And um, obviously, I wasn't. I was very down on him, obviously, the first, like, four or five years. But, obviously, you know, he proved people like me wrong. You know, had a great year. Finished her third in the Heisman voting, which, I mean, I that wouldn't not have envisioned that going into the season. I mean, hats off to him. Like, he dramatically – I knew the game. I knew Kenny Pickett maybe would be different this year or the past season. I think that game against Tennessee, he was just slinging the ball. And, you know, I looked at his numbers, and I was like – Man, if they can get this production, maybe not this well, but something like that every week, Pitt has a chance to win a lot of games, and sure enough, that's what happened, and then and then some. So, you know, Pickett, obviously, I said, I think he could have gotten drafted last year, maybe like a fourth or fifth rounder, but no, he's going to be a first-round pick, and maybe outside of Malik Willis, that's the only quarterback I can see maybe being drafted before him. He's going to be quarterback one or quarterback two off the draft easily, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, even with Malik Willis, is they always like rate Pickett based off of like you know they always like to talk about competition and like throwing condition stuff. But when Malik Willis did have to play Ole Miss, he didn't really impress many people. And like I, I love Malik Willis. I think he's really quick. I think he has a really good arm. But I think they pay attention to too much of like the stuff you see at the combine or measurements and stuff. It's rather you could play or you can't. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think Kenny Pickett and Willis have what it takes to play at the next level, especially Malik Willis. That man can run. He has a good arm. You know, I I like him a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
my concern with Malik Willis is he seems like a very boomer bust kind of guy. So I, I think he'd be a bust. But at the same time, you can say that with any other player. But um, I think his upside is like astronomically high. And I think if you could get him to be more consistent, like just his all-around game, I mean, dude can be a special player. I think he can be a superstar, no cap. But um, I would actually love the Steelers to draft him if the opportunity came. But, yeah, I mean, the whole combine stuff, people were like, losing losing their minds over the throws i mean that's you can yeah obviously you can throw there's no there's no question he's a, he's a capable runner very athletic but you know it can you read defenses that, that's what it's going to come down to like when you have two 290 300 pound guys coming at you with a blitz or they're up in your face are you gonna be able to make those same plays that, that's the biggest question because all this is for show right now like that's let's be honest all these guys running four twos and four threes you know, John Ross ran a four two and he's a bust. So mm-hmm. just because you're speedy, you know, having speed definitely helps because you, you wanna have speed now because the NFL this is all speed guys right now. It's insane. But you also like have to catch the ball too. And you have to make plays. So Drew Archer ran a four three, four two. Terrible kick returner for the Steelers. Wasn't very good. So I'm just saying. Com- don't take everything that happens as a combine as like that's what's gonna. That's what you're gonna see on the field. That, that's just not gonna happen. I think a lot of these guys, especially defense. I think there's a lot of good defensive players out there. I mean, you got Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Jordan Davis. I would think Jordan Davis would be another good pick for the Steelers. You know, help show up that defensive line, especially if Tuit comes back. You have Cam Hayward, Tuit, and Jordan Davis. I think this defense would be well on its way to becoming elite again. That's just me. Yeah, and you know, you said it, and you could have said it better. Like. The combine, like at the end of the day, you could play or you can't, and you couldn't say it any better. But I will say, if they get Jordan Davis, I mean, I know we said the combine means nothing, but at the same time, the dude ran a four seven forty, and he's like three hundred fifty pounds. That's three hundred forty one pounds. Six almost six foot seven. Yeah, that's insane, dude. I thought DK Metcalf was impressive, but this one might have him beat just because he's like a hundred pounds more than him. Oh yeah, no, no. D- I remember, I remember DK. People were hyping up DK's uh, draft combine too. I mean, he's a, he's a freak in, in himself too. But yeah, I mean, we'll see, man. I'm curious. I have no idea who the Steelers are gonna pick in this uh, this draft. I think they can go like a number of different ways. I even think they can draft a rod receiver. I know it's crazy, but they need like I think they need another re- receiver. I don't know like what the situation is with Juju. You know, Chase Claypool. He kind of really disappointed me this past year. Um, I was kind of hard on him just like his antics. I just didn't feel like he really performed as well as he could have. And Deontay Johnson, I thought, had a great year. And then that, solid. And then that last month, he kind of fell off, just making, like, miscues after miscues. So that kind of concerned me a bit about his focus and headspace in the games. But there's a receiver from Arkansas. Very, very fast guy. Very good. If he falls to them, I would not be surprised if they take him. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I do have a question about the Steelers, though, is it is about the quarterback position because – I personally don't believe that Rudolph or Haskins, if they're the starting quarterbacks, it's clearly a rebuild year. Do you think that they should go out and get like a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota by for say? I actually do think they should go after Jameis Winston. I mean, he's coming off an injury, so he's going to come cheaper. But based off what I've read, I think the Saints are, they really want to re-sign him to a three- or four-year deal. So I think that might be off the table. As far as Marcus Mariota, I mean... <sighs> But Marcus Mariota, I, I see him as a backup. I really, I, I'd rather have Rudolph at that point. I, I, Marcus Mariota doesn't really impress me. Uh, he's a solid player. 
you know, if you want to have some like packages for him, you know, at the goal and have him run running in, I could that's fine. But like, I'm sure someone will probably have him start next year. Wouldn't be surprised. But I don't, I'm not really big on him, honestly. But yeah, I know people were really big on uh, Mitch Trubisky, which I find very ironic. Just a couple of years ago, when he was in Chicago, we were all like crapping on him, saying he's a terrible quarterback, he's a bust. Why did they reach up to draft him now? He's like a hot commodity nowadays to be a starter again. So I don't know how much Trubisky would cost. I think I read somewhere like he wants ten mil a year, which I mean, I guess if you want to sign him to like a two year deal, maybe I could see that. You know, have have him prove it for two years, and if he pops off, you know, good for him. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign him long term. I would. Honestly, I wouldn't draft a quarterback this year. I think it would be a bit of a reach maybe. Like I said, if Willis falls to them, I would draft him. But outside of that, I know I wouldn't be mad if they drafted Pickett either. But I wouldn't draft anyone else. And I, I sure hope they do not go. I was talking about this. Originally, I thought they were into Sam Howell from North Carolina. I hope they do not go down that route because I'm not, I'm not big on Sam Howell either. I'm not. And if you look at like the head-to-head – Kenny Pickett last two seasons they beat North Carolina. Yeah. So you know I think if the if Pickett or Willis is available I would draft them. Yeah. But I definitely see your point where you have to really develop that offensive line because oh, we yeah. saw inconsistency at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think if you even like we saw free agency too. So like if they can sign a few guys in free agency as well, and maybe you draft an O lineman or two. Like, I could see the offensive line maybe not being elite, but, I mean, it's good enough where Najee Harris isn't running into a bunch of guys every play. Like, that has to change. And that brings me, like, to another whole issue about drafting running backs. I I don't know why people do it. Um, Najee Harris was, like, the sexy pick for the Steelers. If you looked at every mock draft last year, they had him draft him because they needed a running back. And they, you know, how long do you think Najee Harris is going to be effective as a, as a running back? Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think he has that Derrick Henry to him, that durability. I See, I don't see that. Derrick Henry hasn't really sustained any major injuries in, up until now, I and mean, he hasn't even had any really minor injuries, not that we know of. Najee Harris last year got banged up quite a bit, and he's 23-24, and he already had a workload, a tremendous workload at Alabama. I see him maybe being good for three or four years, and I think he's in a take a steep decline that's just me but this team where they're at right now I just did not like to pick and that's nothing against him the player obviously he's very talented but I I still don't like to pick yeah I mean they didn't really need running back in the first round but I I'm on the other side I think that you know he's athletic I think as soon as this team develops their line I think as soon as this team starts to get more consistency we saw snippets of what he can do I mean think about it he ran through over a thousand yards with that line I mean the first two weeks of the season who would have predicted that he would have finished with over a thousand yards is my question and it's just like I mean could he could he fall off he could but I also think that he does have an upside I mean look at the running backs he was with I mean look at Josh Jacobs he's killing it right now I think that you could see a similar trajectory for him as well, coming from that same Alabama system. Um, Josh Jacobs, uh, I'm not really high on either. Um, Josh Jacobs, he's all, he always seems hurt to me, and I think I think the, his best days are behind him. You might think otherwise, which is fine, but like, yeah, Josh Jacobs hasn't really impressed me in a couple of years, and I think when he's been he's been in the league for four years. I think he's already reached his apex. I think Najee still has room to be better, but I don't really see him getting much better. I mean, if the O line improves, maybe. 
He might rush for 300, 400 more yards, you know, which is still good. Don't get me wrong. But if you see, like, running backs now in the NFL, most teams have, like, a running back by committee. So they'll have three or four running backs. And, like, depending on who has the hot hand, they'll feed them the, the targets or the carries. And, um, you know, the Steelers, you know, teams like the Steelers and, like, the Titans with Derrick Henry, they're more of, like, a we're just going to hand it off to the same guy over and over again, which is it's nothing wrong with that. If he's, like, producing, that's what you do. You, you hand it off to your best player, you know, your best running back. But I feel like the Steelers... I think if you want to preserve Najee Harris, maybe extend his shelf life, if that's even possible for running back, I would probably draft not so much maybe in the fifth or sixth round. I'd see if I can find like another, another running back. Another running back that no one's talked about that I'm, I'm very intrigued by is Sincere McCormick. He's a running back at a UTSA, University, University of Texas, San Antonio. I can't believe he isn't higher on a lot of people's draft boards. He was like the leading uh, – rusher and all of college football the past two seasons i have no idea why he isn't like being looked at as like a third or fourth round pick but yeah if, if he falls i would draft him i think he could do a lot of damage and i think you, you can rest nausea on you know second sec first and second down maybe or maybe just second down and you know you have nausea convert the third and shorts and like the goal line plays give it give it to nausea but i think with the packers too with aj dillon and aaron jones i think the steelers should do that Hypothetically, if they got Sincere McCormick and Najee here, I think that'd work too. And another thing with Sincere McCormick is he's a winner. He's already won before. I mean, they were Conference USA champions last yeah. year. And, you know, I'm going to speak on a point you brought up a little bit earlier. It's with uh, the running back and the shelf life. And the running, the running game in football is really declining. If you look at the teams that do hand it off constantly, Derrick Henry got hurt this year. Let's look at another team. Saquon Barkley he cannot stay healthy because yeah, I think the workload. Yeah, and I Alvin think, Kamara yeah. as well. I think Saquon Barkley, we've seen the best of Saquon Barkley, and he's been in the league, what, three or four years? Alvin Kamara, I think he's I think he's reached his apex as well. I think he's going to go down from here on out. So, I mean, you make those points. And, yeah, I don't really see, like, what running back right now that you see, you think to yourself when you're like, man, I can see him being good for another two to three years. What, Jonathan Taylor maybe from the Colts? That's probably about it. I don't really I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head that I'd I'd have as running back for the next three or four years. Maybe Najee Harris who we were talking about. The only thing the only one I could think of is Nick Chubb. Nick just, Chubb too. Okay. Because yeah. he's just uh he's just a monster. No, yeah, he's a monster, like, yeah. No, he just runs through people. I'm actually he's he's really fast too. But um even he gets hurt too. Like he he's been hurt the past couple of years. You know, he's been good. But part yeah, of the I reason why they got Kareem Hunt too. Yeah. Just to Get an extra running back with them. No, yeah, that was that was smart, but like, yeah, I don't running backs. That that that's like that's a whole other issue for like fantasy football too, because I hate that all these teams have running backs by committee, so you don't know like who to pick, and that's what I hate. But like, yeah, I mean Jonathan Taylor, he's like I think he's the best running back in football right now. And you want to argue Derrick Henry still? That's fine. But outside of that, there's not really. I mean Christian McCaffrey, the dude had that great year, 2019, I think. He had like over a thousand yards receiving and rushing. And he's been hurt ever since. Like, he cannot stay on the field. So, I mean, these guys, I understand why guys like Le'Veon Bell wanted to get wanted to get paid money or want to have guaranteed money, whatever, however you want to uh, put it. I understand it now because these guys, Zeke Elliott got paid. That's looking like a horrible contract. And, and they're cutting Amari Cooper. Like, really? I would cut Zeke Elliott before uh, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper 
when they traded for him, that saved their season a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, it did, yeah. I mean, they needed a receiver at the time, and he was, you know, when they traded for him, they, it totally dramatically changed the outlook of that team. So you're going to cut him because he's making $20 million a year, but you have a a washed Zeke Elliott you're paying almost $100 million to, and we've already seen the best of him, too. He 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 peaked his rookie year and he hasn't he's declined. If you look at his stats, look at his yards uh, per game and yards per carry. It's like going down every year. Like that, mm-hmm. like you're paying that much money to a guy that's getting worse every year. Like that's to me that's a misfire on Jerry Jones's part. That's just my opinion. And I think let's get to the Cowboys now. I think that that loss to San Francisco absolutely destroys them, and not because I mean obviously they have a core that could win. There's no reason why a team with that line, when you got Zach Martin on the line, you got, you know, then you have Dak Prescott, who had a great year this year. Uh, You had Ezekiel, well, when he came back anyway, he was hurt for a little bit. But you had Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Amari Cooper. I mean, um, the tight end, uh, what's his name, Schultz? Dalton Schultz, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was was solid too. The, The issue you had was the Cowboys did Cowboys things, and they lost in the playoffs. The team... Is a piece or two away, and I think the last thing you should do is cut Amari Cooper or cut Ezekiel Elliott. They have what it takes to win games. They proved it. They won 12 games. Granted, they were in a crappy division, but they lost in the playoffs. Teams lose in the playoffs, and instead of just, you know, hey, you know, we need one more piece, they blow it up, and they cut, uh, what's his face, Amari Cooper. Well, see, see, here's why I was on the cut Zeke bandwagon. So you have Tony Pollard. Who I know he's not as big and he's not not as physical as Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke Elliott is a big dude. He's two hundred fifty pounds. I want if I were to guess. So Tony Pollard is quicker. He has a burst of speed, and we've seen him make we've seen him make plays time and time again. And Zeke Elliott, the dude can barely get five yards. Like he struggles to get five yards rushing, and Tony Pollard's capping off for twenty yard runs, fifteen yard runs consistently. And he's much younger too, and he's cheaper. So I feel like, you know, I don't know what the whole situation, like the dead money would be if they cut Zeke. But I would just, Dallas, I'd sound like a cheap running back, you know, have Pollard have the majority of the carries. That's what I would do. But the Cowboys, yeah, they have a good team. They've always had a good team every year. They, they, just things, like, have gone wrong that, that can go wrong. The Cowboys have gone wrong. They've had, they've always had good rosters, you know, going back to Tony Remo. You know, you know Troy Aikman. So they've been good, but they've just never been great. And I think that's that's their problem. Like they're they're chasing that ghost at Super Bowl appearance, which they've they really haven't come close to since they won like what twenty five, twenty six years ago. So yeah. and you know, speaking of Tony Pollard, the Thanksgiving game, like oh yeah, he completely went off. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like the speed is unreal, and I think that's that's what he gives you, and he has that running back IQ where he could find the hole and hit it. I'm not oh, saying yeah. Zeke's bad, but Pollard fits their system more with the line they have. I think, well, they're not going to do this because they're paying him an astronomical amount of money, but I would just have Zeke be like a drum Bettis kind of type, like his, his later years in Pittsburgh. Just hand it off to him like on third and short, and when you're in the goal line, I'd just hand it. But I'd, I'd give the majority of carries to Tony Pollard, and they're not going to do that because he's not making as much money, and they, they need to justify paying Zeke by giving him the majority of carries, which I understand. But I think it it would be better if they used Tony Pollard more, and they they did use him a lot. I don't I don't want to like not say they have him, but I think if you have him, you know, t- have the majority of the carries on your your drives, 
you know, Zeke's a physical enough back. He's a big enough back where he'll, like, cash in those touchdowns nine times out of ten. So, Yeah, and, you know, speaking of good rookie years, though, a couple years ago, it's time to transition sports. John Morant's rookie year a couple years ago, incredible. Yeah. But that 52-point game the oh, other day, man. and now they are second place in the Western West, Conference. Yeah. Do you think that they could make a run this year? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I think we talked about this, but the fun fact for all you local people, John Morant was recruited by Duquesne Basketball, and he was not a highly touted prospect at the time. And he ended up going to Murray State, and obviously he popped off, had a triple-double in the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, John Morant, I, I'm a big John Morant guy. I know people at the time were like, oh, Zion's the, the clear-cut best guy. But, no, it's right now John Morant is the best player in that draft, and it's not very close, honestly. Zion, obviously, when he's on the floor and he's healthy, he's a beast. But we have, haven't really seen that. We have not seen Zion play a lot of basketball. So John Morant is that guy. Honestly, he should be getting MVP votes. The Grizzlies team as a whole is absurd top to bottom their roster is like just nothing but youth i think steven adams is their oldest player he's like not even 30 yet so that 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 tells you all all you need to know about the memphis grizzlies but yeah i think i think the thing is it just depends who they match up with i mean if they match up the lakers i could see them having some trouble just because the lakers have veteran experience although they've been pretty bad this year i still think the lakers as long as you have lebron and if ad is somewhat healthy uh, yeah, I think they can give him some problems, especially with, with uh, size. And my concern with Morant, you know, as great as he's been this year, is like durability. I think he kind of attacks the rim kind of too violently at times. Obviously, when he makes the, the highlight real plays, you know, we're all like, oh, my gosh, what a play. But I think I think he needs to – he's done it. He needs to, he needs to develop more of a jump shot, uh, especially out from three. I think if he can do that, I mean, the sky's, the sky's the limit for the guy, uh, honestly. So, yeah, but my thing with the Grizzlies is I legitimately think that this team can make the finals, and I'll tell you why: the speed. And I think that's part of the reason why they can get by. You know, the Lakers—they're young and they're talented. Obviously, John Morant. You have Desmond Bain. I think is one of the best shooters in the league, averaging 17.8 points per game. Could very easily win Most Improved Player. Jaron Jackson. He could really combat anyone down low. I mean, and he could shoot the three. Really consistent within, you know, 10 feet as well. And Steven Adams, great pickup over the offseason. And you also have guys like Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson. And, he, I mean, even even what's-his-face, Conchar off the bench. Like, I think I think this team has a legit shot just because of their, they're young, they're feisty, and they really brought that grit back when – you know, they had Conley and Allen. I think this is a gritty team. They're not scared to get dirty, and they have some young pieces that could really give some teams trouble in the West. All right, so here's my concern, though. So they have a great team, I think, top to bottom. But my concern is John Morant. Like, is he going to wear down towards the end of the year? And um, obviously, they have. I think they have enough talent to, to cover that up. But when it's playoff time, like, a lot of these guys don't have much playoff experience. So when you're, let's say, like I said, when we play the, the, the Lakers – or someone like like that. I think the Lakers can overwhelm them. I think if John Morant isn't on his game, honestly, the more I think about it, I think as long as they can avoid the Lakers, I think I think they have a clear path to the finals. I do. But you also have to take into account Phoenix too. I think Phoenix. I think even Golden State too. If they run into them, 
there's no guarantees they even make it out. So, I mean, Memphis, would I be surprised if they made it to the finals? No. But right now, I'm still going Phoenix, though. Because I think Phoenix, the other night, they played Milwaukee. And without Chris Paul, without Devin Booker, they took the Bucks down to the wire. They were actually winning most of the game. So, I'm gonna be still going to roll with Phoenix. I think Golden State would be two. You know, Memphis would be my three. But, no, Memphis... I, I expect them to win a championship for the next three or four years. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that. And I'm in agreement. I think Phoenix still has the edge over them. I think they have more depth. I think that they have that veteran presence in Chris Paul. Yeah. I think that Devin Booker is really coming to his own. I mean, granted, he scored 70 points early on in his yeah, career. Yeah. You know, he showed that early, but now he's doing this consistently, and he could really shoot. And you also have, you know, you have Jay Crowder, great defender. I mean, Cam Johnson, 38 points. I mean. No, yeah, they're, they're deep as well. Phoenix is deep as well. I would say, I just think it's Phoenix's year. I think the stars are aligning for them to win a championship this year. Obviously, the Bucks aren't as good as last year. The Nets are a dumpster fire. I don't care what anyone says. Um, they're a dumpster fire right now. Other than that, in the East, maybe the Heat could give them some problems. But I'm not. I think they're better than the Heat, the Suns. I think they'd beat them like in six or seven games. But, yeah, I think, you know, Golden State, I, you know, Curry <sighs> – Curry really hasn't been great for for a minute now. I'm not really concerned with that long term, but just the past few months, he hasn't been as great as he as he usually has. And then Memphis is a young team. You know, Phoenix has been there, done that with last year under their belt. So I would say the West runs through Phoenix. Honestly, that'd be my my, my pick. Oh, for sure, 100. percent And I think you know you have Phoenix, Memphis, and Golden State, yeah. and you can flip Golden State and oh, Memphis because. Yeah, when it's playoff time, Curry and Thompson are always going to step up. Oh, and, yeah, no, for sure. And now sure. they have, like, Andrew Wiggins still. But, I mean, speaking of the Eastern Conference, though, who's coming out of there? I, I think it might be Philadelphia with James Harden. Now. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot to mention about Philadelphia. But yeah, they look good. But my concern with them, too, it, it's, like, health. I mean, James Harden, like, this, these last couple of years, he hasn't been the most durable. Joel Embiid, I, for, I'll give him credit. He, I think he's lost some weight. And, you know, he's been healthy pretty much the entirety of the year. But I just don't know. Like, my concerns are, you know, he's had, like, a lengthy injury history as well with him. So you just never know. We still got, you know, another month or so before the playoffs actually start. But there's a lot can happen between now and then. And, like, my concern is Joel Embiid, like, when it's playoff time, he just never seems healthy. And he just doesn't look as productive or he doesn't look as, like, in shape as he should be. Now, this year is different. I don't know. We'll see. You know, they they have a good roster, too, Philadelphia. I wouldn't be surprised they made it out either. I think with the East, though, you have the Bucks, you have the Heat, and then you have the Sixers. I think I think those are the top three teams to look out for. So, Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Cleveland looked really good for a little bit. Oh, uh, Cleveland. Nah. So, but Jared, uh, Jared Allen breaking his finger out indefinitely. Oh, wait, that, when did that happen? That just happened. Yeah, oh, seriously? He's, he's out, and yeah, so I yeah, think. Yeah, man, that's, that's tough, man. I Jared think, Allen was having a good year, too. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging, you know, 16, 17, Yeah, was he an all-star? Yeah. He was an all-star, too. Uh, Cleveland. Um, Him and Darius Garland. Yeah. Yeah, Cleveland, I think they're, I think they're, I just don't see them. I think I think they're a first-round exit. They lost Rubio. Uh, they lost Sexton, too. Yeah, but, you know, I have a hot take on that. It's just, like, they've been playing. Sometimes, like, losing a star player actually could better your team sometimes. And that might sound crazy, but, you know, Colin Sexton is an animal, you know, and I think if he came back now, they'd be great. But I think him not playing really showed off 
what Darius Garland's capable of. No, for sure, for sure. But, you know, you still have Evan Mobley. You know, he's been very good this year. I think he'll run, win Rookie of the Year. If not, he'll be top three. Oh, for sure. I know they have Karis LeVert. Has Karis LeVert even played? I, I haven't really heard his name too much. He has played, uh, very, but it's been minimal. Yeah. That that kind of concerns me, honestly. Um, But, yeah, I, I don't see them really. Now that, you know, you lose Jared Allen, man, that, that's a big loss. Because I'm looking at their lineup now. Now they're, they're kind of getting a little bit thin. What do you do? Do you move Mobley to center now, or do you just – do you have to start at Davis? Like oh, they have Ed Davis. Yeah, oh, dude, he started at a game I was at earlier in the year. Oh boy, uh, Ed Davis. Yeah, boy. I guess you just start Mobley at center. Uh, I guess you, Kevin Love the power forward. Yeah, that's unless you want to start. Unless you start Laurie Markkinen. You could. I, but I yeah, I would probably keep him off the bench and have honestly, I think Kevin Love's Kevin Love's better suited for the bench. Mm-hmm. I think he is. Yeah, he's I mean, I honestly think he could be a six man of the year contender. Oh, candidate. I don't know why people aren't talking more about him being six man of the year. I mean, he's every he's getting you fifteen, twenty every night. Like that's he's so underrated too. I mean, this man is accepting any role he can. And like we saw it when he first came to Cleveland. He went from a first option averaging twenty six and thirteen all the way going down to, you know, what happened with Chris Bosch. So yeah. I think, like, he's a real leader. And off the bench, I don't, like you said, I don't get why he's not in the conversation. I mean, obviously he is in the conversation, but people don't talk about Kevin Love enough. No, people were real high uh, on Tyler Hero. I think he'll probably win it because he's the, the sexy pick, like, you know, playing for the flashy heat. So that, that's how it usually goes. But, yeah, I'm just going to pull up Tyler Hero's stats real quick. He's averaging uh, 20.8 points per game. 20.8. What, do you know what Kevin Love's averaging? Uh, Probably, like, 15 to 17 points. I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, I think yeah, he's averaging 14. Okay, I mean, seven rebounds, two assists. I mean, that, that, that's like a six-man. I think that's worthy of being considered as a six-man of the year. But, so, anyways, uh, to wrap things up, you know we're running low on time. Oh, yeah, we're de- we have a class, bro, so we're definitely yeah. running low on time. So, uh, just uh, tell me your pick from the East and the West, and tell me your main picks for the college basketball tournament. Uh, okay, so for the NBA Finals, I'd probably say I'm going to go with Phoenix from the West. From the East, man... I'm going to go with the Bucs. I think the Bucs, they've kind of been, I don't want to say coasting the entire year, but I just, I'm just not really buying the Sixers right now. I'm not buy, I'm definitely not buying the Nets because they never have anyone playing. So, yeah, I mean, the Bulls, uh, they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. You know, the Cavs, I think they're a young team. Boston, maybe maybe Boston can challenge them. But I'm going with the Bucs. Yeah, uh, I'm very similar. I think it's going to be a Suns and Bucks rematch. Maybe I think the Sixers could get by them, but I think this year the Suns are going to pull it out. And uh, for college basketball, I think that going into the tournament, I think Gonzaga losing to St. Mary's was the best thing that could happen to them. And I think that they have a big shot. I think Kansas with Akbaji back and having, you know, McCormick and having just this. Uh, an older roster this year. I think Kansas, Gonzaga, and what it being Coach K's last year, Duke. I think those are my top three teams. Yeah, I mean college basketball. I have no idea, dude. I, I just I don't pay attention to, enough to like have like a definitive team I'd want to win. But I mean, you know, it's March Madness, so anyone's a fair game. Um, Gonzaga, I think, could win it. You know, Duke. It, just just how things go, Duke can win it. It's Coach K's last year, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah. Yeah, we all thank you all for listening, and you know, th- thank you for speaking with me, Justin. I can't wait to do the next one. Absolutely, man. You guys have a good one. All right, see you.